more behind the scenes. If that's you, I'd love to connect with you and get you connected somehow to our creative team so that you can uh, express maybe some of those creative gifts that you haven't seen highlighted before. So if you're interested in that, just hit me up with an email. My email's right here on the screen and I'd love to chat with you. We're going to flip things up a little bit today. You okay with change? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Okay, Sid, can you handle it? Myron, you're good with it? Okay. Ron, all good? Okay. Uh, we're going to move the worship through song section to the very end. And we'll explain that in a little bit because we've got some things in mind uh, for that. But that means uh, we're going to actually dig into God's book right now okay so uh, we continue in our series reset an invitation to transformation uh, paul is going to put his father hat on and uh, i don't know about you but a uh, few times i've had my father uh, need to get after me a little chewing out session uh, trying to protect his children and specifically he's trying to protect his spiritual children from false teachers. They were attempting to pollute the gospel of Christ by adding to Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. They were trying to add to the simple gospel message. So uh, Paul goes after them. These false teachers are trying to persuade the Galatian church, you need the Old Testament law to be added to what you've already accepted. And, and they had the days and the weeks and the months and the years and you need to do this and that and the other. And Paul really goes into dad mode and he needs to get after them. Um, again, we're, we're all loving fathers and mothers, many of us, and we know that when our kids are in trouble, uh, Marianne, you understand this, you've got to do what you've got to do to help them not uh, fall into deep, uh, difficult things. Uh, the false teachers, we talked about this last week, were attempting to persuade the Galatian church to go back to the sandbar of legalism. Dan, let's put that, uh, that uh, picture up if you've got it. Maybe you don't. You got the beached whale? No beached whale today. Anyway... Uh, trying to get them to go back to the sandbar of legalism like a beached whale. So, again, Paul is appealing to them. And think with me now, there's only two ways you can communicate at this time. You either are in person or you have to write a letter and someone has to carry it to the person who's receiving it. So, again, remember, no emails, no texts, no Zooming, no FaceTime, none of the things that we have today. Uh, just a loving dad or mom doing everything they can to get their child's attention. That's what's going on here. Paul's appealing to them. Okay, So Paul appeals today to the Old Testament. Okay, You want to talk Old Testament, Paul says? I can talk it better. So if you're able, we're going to stand. And we're going to read out loud Galatians 4 verses 21 through 31. And as you do that, let me just tell you, uh, as I've studied this week, here's what I discovered. 
many scholars, many uh, commentators believe this is the hardest passage in all of the New Testament to deal with. So I'm thinking, what are you doing here? <laughs> Most people who work through the book of Galatians, they skip these verses, okay? And as you read, you go, whoa, that's tough. So let's just understand, we're, we're, we're in, in the deep water here, and we're all together here. So this is tough, but this is God's word, and we're going to dig in, okay? You up to it? You up to a tough section? Balcony, can you handle it? Oh yeah, I like it. Let's read together. Here we go. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai and Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She's the free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law, just as Ishmael. The child born by human effort persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the Scripture say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Let's pray. Lord, we need help. <laughs> this preacher needs help. We need your wisdom and guidance. We need uh, your spirit to be here today. So, would you meet us today in your church? And Lord, use these weak and goofy lips to express clearly what it is your book is talking about here today. So thank you for allowing us to worship freely, your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and I just want to pause and I want to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world who are gathering right now on the Lord's Day. Or maybe they gathered a few hours ago, but, but many of them are gathering under threat. Many of them are, are threatened and uh, they're having to gather in secret on this Lord's Day. Please give them strength and courage and peace and uh, trust to rely on you, Lord. Give them uh, the courage that they need from you to keep marching on. There's never been a day where more Christians are persecuted than 2023. So we pray for them even right now. I pray 
as well for our, uh, our team that's in Honduras. Lord, I pray that you'd give them good fruit this week as they uh, are there. I pray as they worship with our Honduran brothers and sisters, help them to enjoy worshiping with, uh, with the team they'll be working with all week long. And, and I pray for the Clarks specifically right now, Greg and Kim, as they await back tests. Lord, I, I certainly pray that you'd give them the strength and the courage they need as they wait upon you. We trust you there as well. We welcome you today, Lord. Come take charge in your church. Open our hearts and our minds and our wills as we study your inspired book. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with one expectant voice, you can be seated. Well, there's this guy who really needed a job. And uh, he's desperate to earn some money. He's uh, got one cup of ramen uh, on the shelf left. And uh, he puts his application in at the zoo. A friend told him they were hiring, so he said, I'm going to go to the zoo. He said, I never imagined myself working at the zoo, but a friend uh, said they were hiring. So here he, he goes in, he has an interview. Uh, the zoo director hires him on the spot. And he explains, you know, we have a position open up. It's a bit unusual, but it will be steady work and steady pay. And the man really needs money. So he says, I'll take it. I, I don't care what it is. The zoo director tells him, well, our gorilla just died recently. And we haven't been able to get a new gorilla. So we need you to wear a gorilla suit and act like a gorilla in the cage until we can find another gorilla to take his place. Guy thought to himself, well, it's unusual, but I'll give it a go. So he shows up the next day, puts his gorilla suit on, and here he goes. And for a few days, it's kind of awkward. Uh, but, you know, after a week, he's really getting into it, pretending to be a gorilla. And after a few months, I'm telling you what, he became one of the zoo's prime attractions. Everybody's excited to see the new gorilla and, and no one could tell the difference between the guy in the gorilla suit and an actual real gorilla. So one morning he's uh, hamming it up and swinging from vine to vine and he's got such enthusiasm and he accidentally swings himself over the wall into the exhibit next door. And he looks up face to face and there's this massive lion. He could feel the lion's hot breath on his face. And if something doesn't change, if somebody doesn't come quick, he's a goner. So he starts screaming, help, help, when all of a sudden the lion whispers to him, stop yelling or we'll both be out of a job. Paul's main argument in the book of Galatians that Jesus has shut down, shut down the zoo of human effort. Okay? The good works gorilla is dead. The law lion is dead. It's only through Christ alone that we're made right with God. Christ alone, faith alone, that's how we're made right with God. Now, here's what Paul is saying you got these circus clowns come rolling into town and they dress Jesus up in a gorilla suit 
And they're telling the Galatian church, you need to earn favor with God by adding to the gospel message you've received. Okay? The false teaching clowns were attempting to persuade the church, you need to add stuff to Jesus. Okay? You've been worshiping on the Lord's Day, now you need to add and start worshiping Jesus on the Sabbath, on Saturday. And uh, that's a non-negotiable. And you need to observe the Jewish calendar and all of the new moon and the festivals that go along with it. You, you follow the holy days of the Jewish calendar. And you're going to need to travel to Jerusalem to, on Pentecost and Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles and the years, and you need to celebrate the years of Jubilee every seven years. Okay? Here's what the false teaching clowns were trying to get them to believe. If you don't do it our way, then you're a second-class Christian. Matter of fact, you'll never be spiritual. You'll never be religious like us. And we're not even really sure. You might not really be saved if you don't do what we're telling you to do. Okay? So the Apostle Paul flips the script here on the false teachers. Okay? The Apostle Paul says, you know what? If you want to talk Old Testament, then I'm your guy. I can do Old Testament better, stronger, faster, harder than any of you. So, so that's what's happening in these verses. You want to talk Old Testament? I can go toe-to-toe with the best of you. And Paul shows them here, adding anything to faith alone, in Christ alone, only results in slavery and death. That's really the message. You, you, you want to add something to the message you received? It's only going to result in bondage and slavery and ultimately death. Okay. Just acknowledge this is a tough passage. I already shared that with you, okay? Um, but I want to just give you the headline before we go further. Sometimes if you get the headline and you can grab that and go, okay, that's, that's the big point he's trying to share. Here's what Paul is saying. Big point. All of us who know Jesus, all of us who follow Christ, are genuine followers of Jesus. We've been saved. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ. All of us who follow Christ, track with me, we're all miracles of grace. Are we not? That, that's his point. We're all miracles of grace. Anybody who knows Christ it's only through the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. We're saved, we're born again because God reached down and made himself known to us. We're saved and born again and given the desire to know God and serve God and love him and live for him. If you believe that Jesus is the living God, that God raised him from the dead, then you're a child of grace. It's all grace. It's all Him. And that's Paul's point here. That's the simple foundation of what Paul is trying to explain. And if you've called on Jesus and you've believed that you ought to uh, follow Him, here's Paul's point. Live like Isaac, don't live like Ishmael. Okay? 
That, that's his point. Now he goes into some details there, but he's saying, uh, live like Isaac, don't live like Ishmael. Why? Because in Christ we're no longer children of the slave woman, we're children of the free woman. Enjoy salvation by grace. That's his message here. Okay? Don't live like Ishmael, live like Isaac. Living under the law is awful. That's Paul's point. He says, why would you want to go and place yourself under the law? Continuous work to earn God's favor. If you live under the law, if you add this to uh, faith alone in Christ alone, then you need to be earning God's favor, God's smile, God's approval. You come to to salvation in this system by self-effort. And how do you keep salvation in, in the false teacher's system? You continually, by self-effort, you've got to earn it. You have to uh, merit it. To live under the law is slavery and bondage. That's his point. It's, it's awful. Live in constant reliance on your own obedience, your own work. Here's what Pastor Tim Keller says. Those who are trying to live under the law, legalists, people who try to add to their salvation, they tend to be this. These are Tim Keller's words. Smug, self-righteous, superior, insecure, touchy, sensitive to criticism, and irritable. After all, he says, earning your righteousness daily wears a person out. It really does. If you're always trying to earn God's smile, trying to earn merit with God, after a bit, you're just worn down. Paul's argument, human effort, will never make us right with God. It can't. can never earn us God's acceptance. So, here's his message. We either need to choose to follow Sarah and Isaac, or we need to follow Ishmael and Hagar. We got a choice here, and he's going toe-to-toe with him from the Old Testament. Human effort can never make us right with God. Laws, rules, ordinances, they don't earn God's acceptance. They don't earn salvation. They'll never earn you eternal life. That's his point, and he makes it right here in this section. I really like... Um, author Jerry Bridges says this. Uh, I think we might have this. Yeah, here's the quote. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Is that not good? Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Read it with me, okay? Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Amen. Let's go home. So, Paul is writing to a specific church, the churches in Galatia, about a specific threat of specific false teachers. And and he's writing in context to what the threat was, 
What is it that's going on? They're attempting to twist and distort the simple gospel message of Jesus and the cross. They're trying to add some of the Old Testament law. That's that's the threat going on. But here's what I need you to know. There still are false teachers today, 2023. Did you know that? I would argue there's actually more threats. There's more ways for them to come after us today. They can come after us on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers, on our televisions. There are still false teachers today who work really hard at twisting and distorting the simple gospel message of Jesus Christ. So, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take uh, the rest of our time today um, understanding what are some of the threats today, Glenn? What are some of the, the things that are coming after us today that are trying to twist and distort and add to the simple gospel message of Jesus Christ? And I'm going to offer you three common threats. And uh, here's the first one. How do we watch out? How are we on our toes against false teachers today? And the first one, the first way we um, guard ourselves is the fruit test. Um, what kind of fruit is being produced? Matthew 7, 15 to 20 uh, here's what Jesus tells us to look for. Beware of false prophets. We have it up here. Who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces what? So every tree that does not produce good fruit gets chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. By their actions. Here's what Jesus says. First, first test. Is this a false prophet, a false teacher, or a true prophet, a true teacher? Pay close attention to their fruit. Prophets, preachers, evangelists, they're the people who stand and they proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Okay? So that's who he's talking about. Anybody who claims to be speaking for the Lord. And Jesus tells us not all prophets, preachers, evangelists are the real thing. Not all of them are authentic. Many are false prophets, false teachers, false evangelists, but here's the problem. Their words sound so good. <laughs> They're so smooth. It's so appealing. They're so positive. It sounds great. Go back to the text, verses 16 to 18. Jesus says, inspect the fruit of their lives. Inspect the fruit. False teachers produce bad, rotten fruit over time. Here's the, here's the principle. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. So here's the obvious question. What does bad fruit look like? You ready? First, first sign of bad fruit, teaching ways to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. In the Galatian church, 
They were saying, oh yeah, Jesus is good, but you've got to add the Old Testament law. You, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow, follow the Jewish calendar. You, you have to basically add and be an Old Testament Jew plus Jesus. Look for any teaching that's a works-based salvation. Anytime you've got to earn it, you've got to work for it, uh, especially this line, which is very popular today, all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to eternal life. All 4,300 religions, give me your eyes, are true. Just, just pick the one. And, and I would say that's insulting when you say that all 4,300 religions are the same thing. No, they're not. No, they're not. You have to look and see what the gospel is. And no, we're not adding and not always lead to eternal life. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father how? Jesus said it very clearly himself. Second sign of bad fruit. Exalting self instead of exalting King Jesus. False prophets and teachers and evangelists, they want the honor, the glory, the credit. False teachers typically, they want the applause and the praise. Good-fruited trees want Jesus to be lifted high. We want Jesus to get the honor, the glory, the credit. Because King Jesus is the focus and the power and the Savior of our lives. Okay? Third sign of bad fruit, number three. False teachers will try to get you chasing after experiences and feelings. Okay, You, you have to feel it, otherwise it's not real. Um, now here's my point. Um, when we walk daily with Jesus, will we at times see incredible things that Jesus does in and around us? And the answer is, okay, of course, yes. But when the focus of our lives becomes expecting and demanding, I want another experience. I want another good feeling. I, I'm chasing after feelings and experiences instead of daily walking with Jesus. That's where the problem is. Because that quickly can become an idol. An idol of I need more experiences, I need good feelings, and pretty soon, that's what life is all about instead of living strong for Jesus. Good days and bad. It's when the Good Shepherd walks with us through the hardest days and we barely feel like we're holding on, then we remember, give me your eyes, oh yeah, it's supposed to be hard. Because if it's hard, it shows you're on the hard and the narrow road. Matthew chapter 7. The hard road... <laughs> Is hard, it's challenging, it's painful. Final thought on fruit, okay? It's really tough. I would argue it's almost impossible to examine fruit on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or Christian TV or a podcast. Here's my point. Um, to try to examine fruit over technology is nearly impossible. Which 
bluntly means, okay, it's when we belong to a real-life, flesh-and-blood church family where you can actually get to know the people and get to know the leaders and the preachers and you can live life with them, that's when you can actually inspect the fruit. Make sense? I'm telling you, there is huge advantages to actually belonging to a church family because you can get to know the fruit and you can, you can discover, is this good fruit or is this bad fruit? To do that over the airwaves or over technology is nearly impossible. Second test, whether something is false teaching, is the doctrine test. You have the fruit test. Now the second uh, test is the doctrine test. Here's what Paul wrote down for young Timothy. Here's what he said. 1 Timothy 6, 3 and 4. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Okay? Paul's explaining we need to pay attention to what a person is teaching, examine their doctrine, and, and figure out what are they saying about who the Lord Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And if some teaching sounds interesting, but it's incorrect on Jesus being the second person of the Trinity and, and the Son of God and doesn't teach us to love like Jesus, then something major is missing. A good test, if the ideas being taught are true, ask yourself, are they asking me to stop believing something that the church has taught and believed for 2,000 years? Isn't that right, Bob? I mean, there's a, the church has a wonderful history, um, and when you look at the doctrines, are they asking me to buy into something that the church has never believed over 2,000 years? Or reject something that's central that the church has bought into, the Orthodox Church has believed for 2,000 years? How does teach, this teaching line up with who Jesus is and has been built on down through the centuries? If, if it's in conflict with who Jesus is and it doesn't line up with what the church has believed or asking you to believe in something brand new, uh, no thanks, I'm going to reject that. That's false teaching. Not interested. Third test is the scripture test. How much Bible is this false teacher using? Or this teacher? Because I'm trying to just determine, is this a good, solid biblical teacher? Or are they perhaps false? Are they living this out in their own lives? Here's what James 1 says. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Scripture is our source. That's one of the key values here at Walloon. Okay? Scripture is our source. The Bible is the foundation 
for everything we teach, preach, and practice. Okay? So, first Sunday, I've said this for 32 years, first Sunday, I get up here and we don't open up God's Word. You ready, Ron? That should be your last Sunday. Get out of here. Because we want to hear from the book. Amen? We want to hear what God's Word has to say to our lives. Um, that's our instruction manual for life. False teachers typically don't major much on the book. Okay? Rarely do they dig into a book of the Bible. Uh, rare will they get into a paragraph or a section of Scripture. False teachers usually reference a verse or a phrase or a couple words and then launch off into what they want to say. Little or no context for the passage they present. An old Wendy's commercial, do you remember this? Yeah, an old lady, she's, she's there and, and she says these words, Where's the beef? Remember her, Clara? Yeah, where's the beef? Okay. So we need to be asking that same question, Where's the Bible? Where's the Scripture? Because if there's no beef, if there's no Scripture, no thank you. I, I don't want to listen anymore. The beef is missing. Colossians 2, verse 8. Paul warns us clearly, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. Okay? Don't let anybody grab a hold of you with the nonsense of this world. And can I just say, there's a lot of nonsense in this world. Amen? And, and, and some of it sounds pretty slick. And, ooh, that, that has a nice appeal instead of from Christ. Please know this. There are still lots of false teachers, 2023. I would argue there's more now than there's ever been. Because there's more ways that they can come after you. There's more technology attempting to twist and distort the pure message of faith alone in Christ alone. So, so let me just say, church family, just stay alert. Be diligent. When you're looking at a podcast, when you're watching something on Christian TV, when you're looking at the latest YouTube, that somebody, oh, this is great. Make sure... You're examining whatever you're listening to through the filter of God's book. Make sure there's good fruit. Make sure there's good doctrine. Make sure the Scripture is in context. Why? Because there's really still more false teachers than ever trying to get our hearts and our minds and add to the simple message of Jesus Christ. Let's pray as we close. Lord, Thank you. Thank you for your book and giving us the greatest gift of life, your Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord and King. So we just want to pause and say thank you. And I'm asking even right now that you would keep us from deception. Lord, would you keep us from the high-sounding ideas of smart people 
who would love to pull us away from your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, there's lots of messengers out there. There's lots of preachers and teachers and evangelists. And we need your help. Because there's good stuff for us to learn from. And then there's poisonous stuff that will make us really sick quickly. Give us wisdom. And as we close, there might be somebody watching today online. There might be somebody here in the building. And the truth is, you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We just want you to know, knowing Christ is the best thing in life. Having Jesus as your Savior and Lord, having His Spirit inside of you, having God's Word as your manual for life, and living strong for Jesus, that's the best choice that any of us have ever made. <laughs> best choice I've ever made. Today, you can say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you took on human flesh, you took on a body, you lived a sinless life. Jesus, I believe that you willingly took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my sin problem. And Jesus, I believe that early Sunday morning you didn't stay dead, but you literally bodily, physically arose from the dead for me. I believe that for me. And right now, Jesus, by faith, I receive. I open the door of my life. By faith, Jesus, I welcome you in. Would you save me? Would you transform me from the inside out? I'm yours. I'm ready to serve you. I'm going to do that right now. If you're watching online, would you hit that prayer button right now? If you're here in person, I'd love to chat with you. Make your way to the prayer corner. We'd love to help you get moving on your new journey with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for even the hard sections of your book. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you give us wisdom and insight even when we dig in to the challenging sections. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You might have noticed that you're back up. That's good. We're going to sing for the next 20 minutes or so. Um, but as we sing, we want to give you an opportunity to be prayed over, to, to admit I got some issues. Some of you have had an awful week. And we'd like to be there for you. And James chapter 5 says, when you have an area of weakness or sickness, you're not just stuck. There is something we can do. And it says in James 5, very clearly, go to the elders of your local church and admit your need. I, I got this area of, of weakness, of sickness, and I'd like you to pray over me and we'll anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes. Um, I'd invite those teams 
each of them including elder, go ahead, stand up right now, and you can make your way to uh, your places. There are going to be uh, some different places. Uh, you can look around and say, hmm, I know, I know George and Christy. Uh, I know Myron and Kim. I know Kevin and Rachel. Uh, Gil and Terry and, and Jack and Linda are back there. Again, I think we have five different teams here. And uh, I'd invite you, if, if you've got an area of weakness in the family, if you've got an area of weakness in your finances, if you've got an area of weakness, um, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're overwhelmed and stressed, maybe uh, things have just been going awful. Here's what it says. Prayer works. The reason we do this is it's biblical, and when you do it God's way, it works. I'm just telling you, over the years when we've given these opportunities, lives get changed. Jesus breaks through when you do it His way. So we're doing this because we need to give you the opportunity to do it God's way according to the book. So um, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, but while we sing, you're invited, and uh, they're they're just going to stand there if nobody comes. Then we gave you the opportunity. But I would encourage you, and I know it's hard, but be willing. If the Lord's tapping you on the shoulder and talking to you, yeah, I could really use some prayer here. I really got this situation going on. Make your way and let them pray for you, and they'll lift you up. And again, prayer is powerful. It really is. Do you believe that? Okay, let's stand together. We'll sing together and... uh, We've got our leaders here. They're ready.